read together today Genesis 15 verses 1 to 6 verses 1 to 6 Martin Lloyd-Jones was one of the most gifted preachers in the British Isles in the 20th century. Uh, one of the traits of Lloyd-Jones's preaching uh, was that he would regularly begin his sermons by saying, we're coming today to what I believe is one of the most important passages in the whole of Scripture. And although he said this almost every week, uh, those who were there, those who sat under his ministry would say that you always believed it. And in fact, you, you believed that he believed that this really was the most important passage that they could be studying on that particular morning or evening. Well, those of us far less gifted than Lloyd-Jones maybe need to be careful how often we begin our sermons like that. It could become a bit of a, a cliche. Uh, but nonetheless, Genesis 15, friends, really is one of the most important passages In the whole of scripture. In fact one writer has gone so far as to say. That without Genesis 15. We would have no Bible. And I trust you'll see. Why that is as we make our way through it. Why this is such an important passage. But one reason is that it ties together. The Old Testament. And the New Testament. Some people talk as though. The Old and New Testaments have nothing to do with each other. Or that the Old Testament. Doesn't matter anymore. And that there's some strange things in it that the New Testament had to come along and sort of put right or make up for. Well, nothing could be further from the truth. You can't have one without the other. They are two parts of the same unfolding story. And this is one of those passages that clearly shows us that. Look at Genesis 15 verse 6. This is really the key verse of the the passage we're looking at today. Abram believed the Lord and it was counted to him as righteousness. There's the heart of the Christian faith. It's a statement commented on several times in the New Testament as we'll see later. But it tells us that the men and women, the men and women of faith in the Old Testament era were no different from the men and women of faith that we, that we now have in the New Testament era. They're no different from us. They believed that faith alone and God's covenant promises alone would save them. And yet what I love about this passage, about scripture in general in fact, is that where we come across these important doctrines, they're not just presented to us as bare facts, as a sort of a bare statement. That The Bible is not like a textbook with just all the information laid out point after point as if it's all a theory and it's not really relevant to our lives. No, friends, this this crucial statement about the essence of our faith, it comes in the middle of a story about an ordinary old man slogging along amid the difficulties of his life. Abram was a man of faith. He was also a man with problems and a man with doubts. How encouraging that is. Because there's none of us here this morning for whom that isn't true of us as well. We are people with problems. Maybe people with doubts. People with needs. And the good news of this passage is even if you have all of those things. You can still have saving faith. So we want to think today about uh, the the matter of faith and assurance. uh, The faith that Abram had and the assurance that Abram received in that faith. And so we want to see first of all today. 
the struggles faith reports, the struggles faith reports. Uh, my one hesitation about my sermon outline today is that it perhaps doesn't draw attention enough to the fact that it's God who initiates things with Abram here. And so I want to take a moment to acknowledge that. If you look at verse 1, after these things, so after the incident in Genesis 14, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. So it's God who initiates things with Abram here. And this is actually the first time in the Bible that we see that phrase, the word of the Lord came to someone. It's a phrase that's very common in the rest of the Old Testament, particularly when you're reading about the prophets, obviously. But this is the first time that it's used. It's also the first time that we have a report of God speaking to someone in a vision. So this was no ordinary encounter. Uh, this is God speaking to Abram in, a, in an unmissable way, in a powerful, direct, personal way. Look what God the Lord says to Abram, verse 1. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. And we'll think more about those words uh, shortly, but just notice how personal they are here just at this juncture, how reassuring they are. I'm sure I've mentioned to you before that fear not is the most repeated command in the scriptures. That in itself tells you something about the compassion and love of God for his people. First thing he says here to Abram, fear not. So God initiates this conversation with Abram. God comes to him. But notice the struggles that Abram reports to God. Look at verse 2. O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless. And then also in verse 3, Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. Abram's saying, if I die without any children of my own, it'll have to be just one of my servants that gets my possessions. So now we see why God told Abram to fear not. It wasn't something that God was telling Abram here just for the future, Abram, fear not. He's telling him fear not because right now, Abram is very fearful. Right now, Abram has anxieties and concerns. Why was Abram fearful? Well, there's a couple of obvious reasons that might have caused him to be fearful. First of all, the threat of his enemies. Notice again, verse 1 says, after these things. In other words, after this international war that Abram got himself caught up in. Now, of course, Abram won a great victory in that warfare, going off and rescuing Lot and bringing all the people back. But perhaps after the dust had settled and Abram went, Abram went back to his tent, maybe he began to think to himself, what have I done? I've just put a target on my back for four of the most powerful kingdoms in the world. What if the next time that they come raiding this part of the world, they come to get their revenge on me? You know what it's like when the big event, the big worry or the big responsibility, it finally comes and it's finally over. You feel relief, but you also feel tired. And no sooner have you got over one big concern than another one rears its head and it's easy to grow anxious all over again. Maybe that's what happened to Abram after these things. But even more so, perhaps, friends, 
Abram was fearful because of the delay of God's promises. Or maybe we should say the apparent delay of God's promises. That phrase, after these things, it doesn't just remind us of the events of chapter 14. It reminds us as well that time is moving on for Abram. Abram was 75 years old when God first called him and made his promises to him. By the end of chapter 16, Abram will be 86. God had promised him land and offspring and blessings. Abram still doesn't have land or offspring. And he's getting older. And Sarah is getting older too. So friends, Abram is struggling here. I don't know if any of you watched The Apprentice. Another series is almost at an end. And I've noticed over the years, that's one of Lord Sugar's little stock phrases. Whenever he's trying to draw out the drama before he fires one of the contestants, he says, I'm struggling here. Well, Abram really is struggling here. Struggling with anxiety. Struggling with the reality of old age. Struggling to understand why he hasn't yet seen God's promises fulfilled. But here's what I want you to notice, friends. Abram reports his struggles to his God. He reports his struggles to his God. And he does that in faith. Look what he says at the beginning of verse 2. O Lord God. Now, the NIV, if, if any of you have that, it has sovereign God. And that brings out the meaning of the word Lord. That's what the word Lord there in the original means. Uh, you'll notice most of your Bibles have capitalized God in this instance. That's because that's the name Yahweh. Uh, the word Lord here is not in capitals because it's a different Hebrew word, which means that someone is in control. He is sovereign over everything. Uh, and so it's not a Lord in the sense of a British Lord who sits in the House of Lords, who has relatively limited power, even if he does have his own uh, TV show. He's not Lord of some manner, and there's boundary lines beyond which his power does not extend. God is Lord. He is sovereign over all. That's who Abram goes to with his struggles here. And that's what he calls him. He says, this is the sovereign Lord. And so that's not a sign of a lack of faith, friends. That's a sign of real faith. That Abram reports his struggles to the one that he recognizes to be in control of his struggles and his circumstances. Boys and girls, boys and girls, uh, I'm sure there are there is the occasional fight at home with your brothers or sisters. Just the occasional one. And if there is an argument, and if neither of you can decide who's right and who's wrong, who do you take it to? You take it to your mum or your dad. Why? Because they're the ones in charge of your house. Mum or dad get to make the final decision about what happens next. And so that's who you go to. Well, Abram goes to the one who's in charge, who's in full control, who cares for him and who is able to help him. The sovereign God, sovereign Yahweh. Do we do that? Do you do that? It's the person with no faith in God who simply tries to get on with everything themselves, who doesn't take their problems to God because they don't believe that God is in control, that God is able to help. 
Abram hasn't forgotten that God has already provided many blessings for him. He's a prosperous man. His, his business, his wealth is in a healthy state. And that was part of the, the blessings that God had promised to him. But true faith doesn't settle when God's promises are yet to be completely fulfilled. God promised him land. The land isn't his yet. God promised him offspring. He doesn't have any offspring yet. He says in verse 3, You have given me no offspring and a member of my household will be my heir. Abram is reporting his struggles. And he's asking for fresh assurance. Friends, don't be afraid to do that. God has made us no guarantees about health or wealth. (coughs) This side of glory at least. But Jesus Christ has promised to build his church, for example. So we shouldn't be satisfied when we see a lack of growth in the local or global church, spiritually or numerically. Christ has said the church will grow, that it will be victorious. We should pray about that. And we should bring to God our concerns for the church when we don't see it spiritually or numerically growing. God has promised to sanctify us, each one of us as believers, to make us More like the Lord Jesus Christ in every way. By the power of his Holy Spirit. So we shouldn't be satisfied when we see parts of our lives. That aren't yet like our saviour. God has promised never to leave us or forsake us. That he is a, a help in time of need. That's any type of need by the way. And so when we face fears and struggles as Abram did. We should claim God's promises and report our fears and struggles to him and ask for his assurance and help. Some of you face looming challenges this week. Some of you perhaps see reasons to be fearful in the days ahead. Some of you are facing bodily weakness or the challenges of old age or the busyness of life at home. Cast your cares upon the Lord. And he will sustain you. It's a sign of true saving faith. Not a sign of a lack of faith. But of true faith. To report our struggles. To our sovereign God. The struggles faith reports. Secondly. The strengthening faith receives. The strengthening faith receives. No matter how long you've been a Christian. What, what, what you faced as a Christian. Our faith needs to be regularly strengthened. And we thought a few weeks ago about, how, about the difference between Abram and Lot. Do you remember uh, Lot left Abram and headed towards Sodom? And we thought about the dangers of that. That Lot was putting himself in a position quite literally where it would be much, more, much less likely that he would grow in faith. Even though the Bible tells us he did have faith. Abram here is not like that. Abram does put himself in the places where his faith can be strengthened. And he receives strengthening in this instance. Look again at how God speaks to him in verse 1. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. I am your shield. It's a common way for God to describe himself to his people. Psalm 115 verse 9 are called to worship today. Israel, trust in the Lord. He is your help and your shield. And it's interesting that God would use that. That's obviously a military picture, a picture from the battlefield. It's interesting that God would use that 
after this military campaign that Abram went on that perhaps he is now worried about whether that will happen to him again in the future. And God says, I will protect you. I will be your shield. And as well as that, God says that his reward will be very great. And again, the word reward there, it's often used in a military context in the Bible. A soldier's reward, his recompense for faithful service. And then look what God says about Abram's concerns about offspring. Verse 4. Behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. Literally, the language there is one coming from your own body. And so the Lord is making it crystal clear to Abram. Lot is not your heir, your your adopted son, your nephew. None of your servants will be your heir. You really will have a son of your own and he will be your heir. And so here's God, friends, by his word, strengthening Abram, reassuring Abram. The same promises Abram has heard before. There's nothing new in these promises. But God repeats them graciously and underlines them clearly. God does not have to repeat himself, friends. If God has told us once that he'll do something, he will do it. And yet he graciously repeats his promises. Graciously and compassionately gives Abram his word. And reassures and strengthens his faith. But God doesn't just strengthen Abram with his word. He also strengthens him with a picture. If you look at verse 5. He brought him outside and said, look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. What a truly awesome moment. That word can be used too much nowadays, but this really is an awesome moment in Abram's life. Looking up at the stars, for him a countless number of stars from a human perspective. And God says, your offspring will be like this. Boys and girls, have you ever looked up at the stars like Abram did here? Maybe you've even tried to to start counting them. How far did you get when you tried to count the stars? You can't count too many of them for too long. There are too many of them. Your eye just gets drawn to them. We, We can't do it. But God who simply spoke and those stars came into existence. God who knows those stars by name as well as number. He says here to Abram. You will have a countless offspring like that. And so God gives Abram his word and he gives him a picture to strengthen Abram's faith. And Abram responds to God's strengthening. We'll think more about it in a moment, but just briefly look at verse 6. He believed the Lord, Yahweh, and he counted it to him as righteousness. Abram couldn't count the stars But he counted on the one who had made the stars to bless him. And he was considered righteous for doing so. And so his faith here is strengthened. And the reality is, friends, that all of us at times feel weak in our faith. All of us. Just as Abram did at the beginning of chapter 15. And you know, it's not just that we sometimes feel weak in faith. We are weak in our faith. We're mortal. We are imperfect. We are a work in progress. 
We struggle every day against Satan and sin and difficulties of all kinds. Physical, emotional, spiritual. All of us need the strengthening power of God's word and God's pictures. An Olympic, gold, an Olympic gold medal winning athlete has bigger muscles and greater stamina than any of us here this morning. But on a basic level, as impressive as that athlete might look, they still need the same things that we need every day. They need sleep, they need food, water, they need recovery time. They, they, they still need to be strengthened with those same necessities. And likewise, all of us as Christians, from the one who knows their Bible the best, or who has come through the toughest trials, or who has done the most witnessing, to the one who is least in all of those areas, all of us need the same means of regular strengthening of our faith. That is God's word and God's pictures. You might be thinking, what pictures does God give us? We're, we're New Testament Christians, aren't we? we? We don't have the sorts of pictures that God used in the Old Testament. Well, we do still have some pictures, though. We have the Lord's table and the Lord's day and baptism. And all of those are pictures for us. Two of them, of course, are sacraments. They are signs. They are demonstrations to us of the promises of God. And any Christian who feels themselves to be in need of their faith being strengthened needs to make use of those pictures. Originally I planned to preach this sermon the week before we came to the Lord's table. And I thought it would have been a good sort of pre-pre-communion. But nonetheless we can think about the Lord's table as we look back on it this week. And we think again about how beautifully and personally the Lord's table speaks to us about faith in Christ and the nature of it. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, Jesus says. This bread is like my body, broken and offered up for you. And there's a picture for us of our Saviour and his suffering and his finished work and our union with him. And a reminder that we are united to him until he returns. Could there be anything more important, more helpful to ponder and remember in times of struggle than that? I'll not say, I'll not speak about baptism or the Lord's Day. We've thought about those things in the past as well and the means of grace that they are. There's also then the strengthening that comes from receiving God's word. Are you in the word? Even for just a few minutes each day. How's that five day a week Bible reading plan going? We're coming out of numbers into Deuteronomy. Maybe we have to write off a few chapters. But don't let that discourage you. Keep going with it. Get back into the word. If you don't have time in a busy noisy house in the morning. What about listening to it in your car? Audiobook? Christian podcasts? How's your appetite for worship and scripture and sacrament? These are the means, friends, along with the fellowship of believers. These are the means that God will use to strengthen us in our faith. So we've seen the struggles that faith reports, the strengthening that faith receives, and then finally this morning, the sufficiency of faith to save. The sufficiency of faith to save. Look again at verse 6. He, that's Abram, believed the Lord and he counted it to him 
as righteousness. The first key word is that word, he believed the Lord. And the way the word believed is put there in the original friends. It emphasizes to us that Abram continued with the belief that he already had. So it's not that this moment here in Genesis 15 is the beginning of Abram's faith. He already had faith, but it continues. And again, it's, it's, it's strengthened. It's made firm here. Uh, the, the root of the, the word here in the original, it's actually the same word from which we get the word amen. Amen is not an English word. It's a transliteration of a Hebrew word. And it really means I agree or I, I affirm this or I continue in this. That's why, by the way, it's always a good idea to say amen out loud when someone has prayed. I agree. I support this. But that's what, that's what the, the heart of the word here is. Abram continues. He is in agreement with God's promises. He believes God's promises. The second important word there in, in Genesis fifteen six it says, uh, Abram believed and he, that is God, counted it to him as righteousness. He counted it to him. Some of your translations will have reckoned to him or credited to him. And this word in the Old Testament has to do with a legal transaction taking place. It's a forensic word. Goods change hands. Property passes from one person to another. And so here, friends, God, seeing Abram's response to his promises, transfers something to Abram. Righteousness. Righteousness. (coughs) He counted it to him as righteousness. The root of the word righteousness is doing what is right. The ESV study Bible says righteousness is the fundamental Old Testament virtue. It's characterized by a godly life in conformity to God's law. And yet, friends, notice that Abram here hasn't done anything when God counts him as righteous. He simply believes. And his belief, his faith in God is sufficient. It's enough for God to count him righteous. Paul talks about this in a couple of places in the the New Testament. Romans 4, we read earlier. Also Galatians chapter 3. In both of those passages, Paul quotes this verse from Genesis 15, 6. He says in Romans 4, verse 20, No unbelief made Abram waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why, Paul says, his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words, it was counted to him, were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord. Paul there writing his letter to, amongst other people, Jewish people, who have been caught up in the mistaken notion that it was by keeping the law that they would earn their salvation. And Paul says, no, remember Abraham, who of course some of the Jews were so proud to say was their father. Paul says, well, what about your father? He simply believed. And it was counted to him as righteousness. In Galatians in particular, Paul takes them on about their obsession with having to be circumcised to be counted as righteous. That was literally the mark 
uh, that the Jews took so seriously. You had to be circumcised or you couldn't be considered amongst God's people. And Paul says, or uh, yes, Paul says that Abram wasn't even circumcised when he was counted here as righteous before God. It was nothing to do with what he had done or not done. He simply believed. Everyone in this world believes in something or someone to justify themselves. They might not put it in those terms. Um, Most people around us who aren't believers, they maybe don't think in terms of having to be justified. But they do, in, in practice, seek to justify themselves. Some people, some people believe that they are simply good people. Better than most. Not that bad in the grand scheme. And they're just hoping that that will be enough. And that if there is a God, or if there is an eternity, they just have to hope that they're good enough for that God or for that eternity. And really they're talking as though God grades us on a curve. And it's C or above. And as long as you've just scraped in, you'll be okay. Other people have faith in some kind of spirituality. This is becoming more popular, particularly amongst a younger generation in our, in our society today. Just some kind of vague, ill-defined or undefined faith, be it in karma or Eastern mysticism, call it what you will, being in touch with the universe, the kind of stuff that comes out in Avatar and Disney movies. But people take a version of that into real life. Some sort of vague spirituality. And then, of course, there are the other religions, the false gospels, Roman Catholicism, Islam, Judaism that leaves out the Lord Jesus as Messiah. What they all have in common is there are things you must do. There are things you need to do to earn God's love. In total contrast to that, friends, we we preach the message of the gospel, which is believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Now, true saving faith in Christ, of course, leads to action. We've seen that already in Abram. We'll see it again in weeks to come. James talks about this in James 2.22. He also, by the way, quotes from Genesis 15.6. And he says that faith without works is dead. So if your faith shows no evidence, if there is no evidence in your life that you have put your faith in Christ, then your claim to faith has to be questioned. But nonetheless, friends, Saving faith is to lead to good works. It's not that good works lead to salvation. Otherwise, you see, we're constantly looking at ourselves and asking, have I done enough? Am I strong enough? Am I good enough? Boys and girls, I'm sure from time to time you've fallen and cut your hand or cut your leg. And as the days go by, your cut begins to heal and maybe it scabs over. And your cut won't heal if you keep poking and picking and prodding at it. Some children love to do that. I never love to do that. Some people love to do that. But that's more likely to slow down the healing process. If you're always looking and saying, well, poke at that or poke at this. In fact, you could end up leaving a scar from where your cut was if you do that. Similarly, friends, our salvation is not about us constantly looking at ourselves poking around, trying to find ways of saving ourselves, wondering if we're good enough. Abram believed the Lord. He looked away from himself. He looked away from his lack of land, his childlessness, 
his sense of isolation and he looked to the Lord God and his great covenant promises. And his faith was sufficient to save. And it is sufficient to save you too, dear friend. Boys and girls, anyone else here today or listening online who haven't yet put your faith in the Lord Jesus, that is all you need to do to be saved from your sins. Paul says again, Romans 4, the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us, those of us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Stop poking around at your own track record, good or bad. Stop opening up the wounds of sin or thinking a poke here or a little change there will sort out my problems. Look unto Jesus Christ, his life, his death, his resurrection. Believe and you will be saved. And if you are a Christian here today, a struggling Christian, a a doubting Christian, a, a tired or anxious or overwhelmed Christian, take strength from the same source that strengthened Abram. Take strength from God's word. Fear not. I am your shield. Your reward will be great. Take strength too from the beautiful pictures God gives to us. The Lord's table. Baptism. The Lord's day. Reassurances about our salvation. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it will be counted to you too as righteousness. Amen.